Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. All characters during the show, such as Donatella Iglesias, Jimmy Coconuts, and Tyler Jerry are copywritten and are satirical. Any similarity to any person's living or dead is completely coincidental. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was our finest. Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. <laughs> I'm why, sure. why are you laughing so much? <laughs> I want you to confess again that you haven't fucking read the notes. I haven't read any of the notes. And that's you... not that, that's not meant to insult you. It's just, you know, I'm writing this thing, I'm working, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking about lawyers. It's, <laughs> you're not insulting me. You're fucking, that's about you, buddy. The reason I chose vaccines. <laughs> By the way, guys, the subject this week is vaccines. The reason I chose vaccines is because I knew I'd have an easier time hopping into this quickly than another subject that you had. Okay. A lot of them are very important, but also wordier. Well, hopefully this goes in at the very top of the episode. So let's redo the intro in that. This is Petri Dish, everybody. I'm Sean. I'm Nathan. We have Andre here. And I'm Andre. Yay! Andre's here because he's a very active member of the Reddit anti-vaxxer movement. <laughs> and we wanted to have a frank and open conversation, kind of a left, right, and center of vaccines. Andre's on the right. He believes in fascism and he does not believe in vaccines. Sean's on the left. You know, he's a hippie cuck who free really, vaccines for everybody. Free vaccines in your children. And what are you? Well, I'm the center. So uh, are vaccines good for you? I mean, the science is still out. So let's try to figure it out. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. Goddamn. I want to be absolutely clear that I am very much pro vaccine. Yeah. So much so that it scares some people. Andre's like, vaccines are good. When I was a kid and I was like just old enough to like understand the basics of what a vaccine was, I was like, give me all the vaccines. I was so happy <laughs> to get vaccines. That's the same with Stacy. When I explained to Stacy when she came to America what the anti-vax movement was, she was like flabbergasted for three days. Mm-hmm. She's like, who would ever think that? It's pretty appalling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's impressive. I mean, vaccines go back to like the 1790s for smallpox and right. shit, right? And then there was that precursor in China, the variolation, which is like 1500 CE. So this is like hundreds of years ago. Yeah. We've been doing something like vaccines for a while and kind of developing the theory. Uh, but, you know, our episode is primarily not a debate on why anti-vaxxers are full of shit. Right. We're going to take a step back and really just talk about what are vaccines. And hopefully that'll elucidate on a really basic and elemental level, why vaccines are like very obviously, I mean, I don't even want to use it in moral terms that they're just good. It's like vaccines obviously operate on empirical lines. Yeah, they're, they're a real thing. They're, yeah. they're actually legitimately useful. Yeah, it's not a conspiracy, guys. Yeah, so let's get into it. Part one vaccine. Okay, so I think the first question that matters is what is a vaccine? My only relationship to it as a concerned parent is that a child of mine got stabbed and then was autistic. 
So, like, let's have, like, a really rigorous definition. <laughs> like, like, stabbed in the street kind of stabbed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a prison vaccine! He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. got shivved with autism? Yeah. Um, okay, so... Shivved with autism. What is a vaccine? On the most fundamental level, a vaccine has two main characteristics. It is something that stimulates your adaptive immune system <laughs> to give you a memory of a pathogen. And then the other part is that it's non-infectious. And so there are a lot of forms of vaccine. Sometimes it's a live but non-infectious pathogen. Mm. And other times it's a killed pathogen. Free-range pathogens, organic pathogens, although the FDA doesn't classify what's an organic vaccine. <laughs> Wouldn't or- an organic pathogen just be one that normally gets you sick? I don't know, Sean. It's just, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of goop recently. <laughs> trying to make heads or tails of the whole thing. So it's either you're going to have a pathogen and it's either modified so it can't make you sick or it's dead or sometimes it's just pieces of that pathogen kind of taken out of there and then mixed together into a vaccine and put into you. So there's not even an infectious agent at all. There's nothing that can get you sick that way. Okay. So what's in it? Right, yeah. So vaccines are composed of basically three things. One of them is antigen. What antigen is, is it's the part of a pathogen that your body can recognize next time it comes around. Let's take a super quick step back. Can you name me a few pathogens that maybe the average American would know of? Yeah, the flu. Okay, so pathogen is just any illness, basically. Yes. So one thing I will say is that a lot of people think of vaccines usually in the context of viruses, but technically vaccines do not need to just be about viruses. It's just bacteria because we have antibiotics to treat them. A lot of times people don't think about using a vaccine to counteract a bacterial disease. Why spend the money on a bacterial infection developing a vaccine for that when you could just give someone penicillin? Yes, unless that bacteria is difficult to treat. Like, for example, tuberculosis. Oh, maybe it's just my syphilis. There are strains of bacteria that are antibiotic resistant. Wouldn't it make sense to develop vaccines for those strains specifically? What about TB or something? Yes, well, okay, so TB is an example of there is a vaccine for tuberculosis. You shut your mouth. (laughs) You shut your whore mouth. (laughs) But I think there are other multi-drug resistant bacteria that I think it would be interesting to try to come up with a vaccine for. And we just have not been successful in doing something like that yet. Like, I think there's some types of staph, for example, that it'd be nice to be able to have some kind of vaccine for. I'm sure people are working on it. But for the most part, when people think about it, they kind of more classically think about viral diseases. Right, because you can't get rid of them with... um... Antibiotics, for example. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There are antiviral drugs. scientists. Maybe maybe we can talk about antiviral drugs in a different episode, maybe one about viruses or something. But for the most part, our main thing to fight against viral diseases are vaccines like the HPV vaccine. Okay. I was going to say, I've seen on some internet forums, uh, Uh or mostly screenshots taken to show how bad some of these internet forums are, of people, of anti-vaxxers, who their kid will get sick with some terrible virus, and the kid's very sick, super high fever, and so the doctor prescribes an antiviral, like Tamiflu or whatever, and apparently some of these anti-vaxxers are even against the antivirals. And there, there was actually, I think, an article I read recently where a kid actually died because the mother, rather than give their kid the Tamiflu, went online and was like, I don't want to give my kid this Tamiflu the doctor prescribed. And other people... Like, what essential oils should I give him? Oh, no. <laughs> and yes. then the kid so, died. Oh, there, no. there is probably a lot of intersectionality between anti-vaxxers and just anti-medicine people. Mm. Um, how do antivirals work? 
What? You want me to go into that on a fucking... That has nothing to do with this episode. Just give me a two sentence. Yes, fine, fine. Viruses need to do a few things to succeed. Doesn't sound like it's going to be two sentences. Fuck, it's hard. Blocking the ability of viruses to get into cells and blocking the ability of viruses to copy themselves. Okay, that's cool. Are ways that antivirals can work. Boom, now we don't need to have an episode on antivirals. (laughs) Jesus. Just talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's screenwriting 101, Sean. Checkmate. You just did did the whole scene. Yeah, nailed it. Boom. Good job. Okay, so that's pretty cool, though. You know, I don't think it's good that a kid dies for someone's mistake. But, like, that's probably the best form of human sacrifice that still exists, right? I can't like, believe you had a butt to that sentence. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're no, like, the brave stance think about, of look, it's sad when children die. <laughs> no, but let's think about this. Like, that kid could have got hit by a car. That kid could have, the, the, the helicopter could have crashed. Kobe. But, <laughs> but that kid died for a righteous cause, which is like, you know, that lady not getting to have a kid anymore. I don't think anyone changed their mind for the better. You, do you think no one changed their mind? Not even the mom. Even the mom was like, no, I just needed to get the right essential oils in time. <laughs> Probably. I mean, honestly. You might be right, but that's depressing. Anyway. You're look, so cynical. So there are pathogens out there, right? right? Disease-causing agents. But an antigen is part of that pathogen. Right. An antigen is just some kind of characteristic a physical feature of that pathogen that your immune system uses to recognize it in the future. My immune system just sees Post Malone's face tattoo. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, danger, danger! Uh, I do think face tattoos are, are sort of the human Classic equivalent. antigen. It's a social <laughs> antigen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like, that's how you know, right? Or like Jared Leto's The Joker. Yeah. It is its own kind of ah! antigen. Okay. So, but it's usually a protein. Yeah, it's usually a piece of a protein, even. So just a few amino acids, maybe 10 to 14 amino acids in a row. And occasionally, and this is a little bit newer information, there are lipids and carbohydrates that can sort of act like antigens as well. Oh. Uh, but that's kind of a, that's a newer sort of discovery. That's, and that's pretty cool, because that means we could probably develop more vaccines we thought we couldn't develop. Yeah, and another kind of aspect of this is usually when you have a full pathogen come in, it has multiple antigens that your immune system can use, right? Usually people don't just have a face tattoo as a recognizable thing. Right. They got like shitty haircut. They're wearing terrible clothes. (laughs) If you have a face tattoo, you have a lot of antigens. (laughs) Right. Right. And things like influenza is kind of the same in that there's Mm. multiple proteins that can contribute as antigens. Right. And so... One of the ideas is maybe what we need to do is be making vaccines that have multiple potential antigens or like the best ones. Sure. That means as a virus or or some sort of bacteria evolves, we still might be able to catch some of those other characteristics. Right. And we might be able to generate a stronger immune response if we have more options. Okay. Well, there's also an adjudicant in uh, in vaccines. (laughs) What are those? Close. Yeah. An adjuvant. And so the adjuvant is a little bit, a little bit of extra stuff you add in as a danger signal. And so it's basically some kind of molecule that your immune system recognizes, usually for evolutionary reasons, as something that normally comes along with bacteria or viruses. Okay. So it's a little piece of something, like for example, bacteria have cell walls. A little piece of bacterial cell wall is a big danger signal to your immune system. Because right. why the hell else are they seeing it unless there's some bacteria somewhere, right? It's like, right. it's the smoke to the fire. Yeah, if you smell carbon monoxide, you know the <laughs> Do you have a carbon monoxide detector? Because I feel like a lot of your naughtiness lately could be explained by carbon monoxide poisoning. So there's a lot of different kinds of adjuvants out there. And a lot of times there's stuff that we derived from different viruses or different bacteria or even some chemicals that we found out kind of mimic viruses or bacteria as danger signals. 
Cool. There's also stabilizers. What's right. a stabilizer? Yeah. So if you pr- have pretty much any kind of biological thing sitting around for a while, like peptides, proteins, DNA, RNA, whatever, any of that stuff sitting around for a bit, it can go bad, just like food goes bad. And you want vaccines to be stable for a while. Uh, you want to be able to make a bunch of them and then have them sitting around for, hey, when a new baby is born or when a new flu season is coming around. Right. You don't want to have to be making it on the fly. So these right? are just the preservatives, basically. Little sulfites yeah. in there. Well. Keep our wine good. And I prefer my vaccines to be a small batch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> primo, super I fresh. Get, I get Whole Foods vaccines, okay? Yeah, and I will say that some of the reasons for stabilizers is that there are places that vaccines need to go to that don't have what's called a reliable cold chain. And that's like India. Yeah. Some parts of India, lots of yeah. places in Africa do not have a reliable logistic cold chain where all along the way you have refrigerated compartments. Right. So right? you got to stabilize that shit. Right. So it doesn't just denature or something. Yeah. It needs to be able to be okay at room temperature or even kind of hotter temperatures. Things like preservatives and stabilizers sometimes are the things that anti-vaxxers get, like, kind of weird about. Like, right, because uh, the word preservative, in any capacity, freaks out certain types of assholes. Right. And, you know, sometimes it's things like mercury, right? Where, in this case, it's an organic mercury and it can't actually harm you, especially in the amounts that are actually in the vaccine. Right, compared but to, like, still, tuna. Like, tuna's got more mercury than this. But at the same organic time... Organic free-range mercury. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Only the finest mercury. And then there's other stuff, like, sometimes some vaccines have neomycin in them, and neomycin's an antibiotic right. to keep bacteria from growing in the vaccine, but some people are allergic to neomycin. And so, actually, for those people... They need to know they're allergic and not get vaccines with neomycin. Whereas if you're some broski in Africa, you don't know that. Boom, Jenna McCarthy's on the news. (laughs) I think there's a couple more steps in that boom. (laughs) Broadly, I agree with you. And so I think that's something we'll talk about a little bit later is that it's not like there's zero complications or zero issues in taking vaccines. It's just... People really blow those out of proportion compared to right. the good vaccines can yeah, do. Yeah, they use any individual... Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. You just stroke out there, buddy? I'm with you. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm with Joe. <laughs> All right. So let's take a quick break. And then when we get back, we can talk about the different types of vaccine. Two kinds. Ones that do or do not cause MS-13. <laughs> See you guys soon. Fifteen love. Do you like to listen to the sounds of intramural tennis? Deuce. Download balls in your court today. And that's match. Talk me in, you son of a bitch. Okay. Yeah. So there's four main types of vaccines. Mr. Sean David Allen, tell me about these different types of vaccines. Yeah, so one of the early ones was a live attenuated vaccine. So there's also dead ones then? Oh yeah, there is. We'll get to those. Why are you jumping ahead? I want my ahead? antigen dead. I don't want no live vaccines. Right. We so yeah. That live one you were mentioning is the famous example, uh, cowpox, right? To smallpox? Right, yeah. So using cowpox 
to vaccinate people against smallpox is an example of live attenuated in that it is alive, but it's not able to infect you in the kind of way that smallpox does and cause the same serious disease. Does every animal have a pox? Like, is there pig pox? Is well, there chi- there's, there's chicken, chicken pox? pox. Yeah, that's right. That's right, you bastard. Does chicken pox have anything to do with chickens? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't actually know if it, it jumped over from chickens or if the scars that it leaves look like yeah. uh, peckings from chickens. Uh, I'm not actually sure about that. But... Yeah, what about pig pox, though? I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't, we don't even know that's a thing. <laughs> that's what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. I have a yeah. scientist that I'm going to ask I, him I, if I pig pox I haven't, is real. I haven't ex- <laughs> Sean, is the pig pox real? Next time. We'll do an update, <laughs> update. on a later episode where I discuss the different kinds of pox that are out there. Pig pox, question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> yeah. What is Trump doing for you? We'll do a real quick one. But in any case, uh, another example of live attenuated is the BCG vaccine for tuberculosis. BCG. So in this case, they took some tuberculosis bacteria and they basically made it go through several generations until they basically got a version of it that was mutated to the point where it couldn't make you sick anymore. That poor Habsburg antigen. Right, yeah, it got all funky and had a big chin. Yeah. And it couldn't do the infectious shit no moss and when they injected that into you, then that could give you some immunity to tuberculosis. The Habsburg TB (laughs) is over. (laughs) That's so tragic. So one of the nice things about Live Attenuated is that you do have this kind of whole functional put together pathogen and so all of the antigens on there are pretty much in the same shape that they would be if you were actually getting infected but it can't it can't full-blown fuck you up because it's all mutated right it being a vaccine means that it can't infect you if it's something else that can infect you we don't call that a vaccine anymore okay that's kind of like the variolation that the chinese were doing in 1500 with that they were taking people's smallpox scabs and then basically like blowing that through a straw up people's noses, right? Wow. And the idea in that is you were giving people a dose of the smallpox virus. Right. The same virus. They would get infected with that virus, but they would have a milder form of the illness, and then they couldn't get it full-blown later. How do you know it's I thought it was just fully sink or swim. Like, all right, everyone gets the virus. If you die, you die. If not, we're stronger society. That's kind of what it feels like, because how do you... (laughs) I mean, why is that... Why would that be a milder version? Right, so the viruses that accumulated in the scabs were generally less virulent and at a lower sort of amount of them. You got sort of a sub-optimal dose to get sick. The amount of it. Smart Chinese guys, man. Well, they got lucky a little bit. What I will say is that there are other places that kind of toyed around with this idea, right, of taking some smallpox stuff, like smallpox juices that people spat up and rubbing them onto like wound cuts and things like that. Goop Labs in San Francisco. And in some places it goes way worse. Okay, There are some places where like they would like cut open somebody's hand and like rub smallpox on it. But then their hand was also cut open, so they'd get a secondary infection. Sure, it didn't pan out. <laughs> it was really bad. So China, the smart thing was to be very delicate with your delivery mechanism. Yeah, it was cute. Don't cut people out. Go boop. Yeah. Yeah, just shove it straight in their mouth. Just a little boopy. But in any case, uh, people still died. They, right, they but were just, just at like, lower rates right. than a normal smallpox outbreak would be. Right, and to the point where like a lot of rich Chinese families in the time period were like, I want my kid to get variolated. And, and the, some and, died, but most survived, and at, again, at higher rates than smallpox would normally be. Right. So that's why that has a different name than vaccination. Vaccination, you are not getting something that can infect you. Okay. okay. So these guys are alive, but they're all fucked up, so they're not going to infect you. Mm-hmm. But you got to keep them cold because they are alive. 
Right, and the whole point of them is to keep them alive, and so the transport of them, the logistics of them, is much more difficult and usually expensive, therefore. So right. we're That's trying to move away from live attenuated. Right. Ones. It's like, this is Whole Foods, and then the dead stuff is like the preservative shit that we send to Kentucky or something. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because the we don't have the supply Except I like Whole Foods. So this is confusing. But in, in any case, we you want... like Whole Foods? Yeah. I just Gross. I just stay away from the homeopathic section. I'm a Ralph's man. Okay, I'm a <laughs> Ralph's man. I'm a real American. Yeah, all right. Stop sucking Jeff Bezos' dick. Yeah, dude. You're probably, you're probably donating money to Bloomberg. You're trying to. You keep on clicking on his website. It's like, we don't want your money. Yeah. And you're like, give me please. I keep mailing him checks. Yeah. yeah. They're never cashed. Okay. He cashes them. <laughs> that cheap <laughs> he cashes those checks, dude. What the fuck? Mike Bloomberg keeps it. <laughs> oh my god, we are so hard derailed. Just fucking get us back on track, Nathan. Okay, okay, okay. So some vaccines are alive, but some vaccines are dead. Yes. Tell me about dead vaccines. Right. So dead vaccines, you take the pathogen, you kill it, you break it to pieces before injecting it in people. You this can is... imagine this is good for people who are all fucked up already. Right. So people who are immunocompromised. Live attenuated vaccines, some of them might be able to infect them. That sounds like a secret agent who's like shit is discovered in Osmosis Jones 12, who's like he's undercover with some pathogens, <laughs> and then his like secret agent is revealed, and they're like, oh no, he's immunocompromised. Get out of there, Osmosis. You know, um, I was on Netflix, yeah, <laughs> and I found a Japanese anime called Cells at Work. Oh, I think you'd really enjoy it based off of your love for Osmosis Jones. It doesn't have nearly as much Chris Rock but it does have Japanese people being very funny okay. the main character is a red blood cell and she gets into all kind of hijinks is it like actual funny or like Japanese anime funny ah complicated <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't watched an episode stop derailing a show I'm sorry okay dead vaccines <laughs> so look dead vaccines safer for immunocompromised people since you killed them they often do not produce as strong or as long-lasting an immune response. And so you usually need more boosters right. for dead vaccines. Examples are the hepatitis A vaccine, polio vaccine, flu vaccine. So those are all dead ones. Okay. What's and, the next one, baby? Yeah, the next one is subunit vaccines. And so these are fun. So in the other two that we just mentioned, you basically are using the entire pathogen, alive or dead. In subunit, you're instead picking the antigens, the specific antigens you want from those pathogens, and then mixing them with the specific adjuvants that you want. So this one is much more about finding the specific ingredients and putting them together into a vaccine. So this must be like a newer type of vaccine, right? Because that sounds yes. like a hard thing to do for like some bro just fucking a cow and putting his pox on other people. Right, yes. Subunit vaccines are much more recent. And they're part of this big push to make vaccine discovery more what's called rational as opposed to empirical. Right. Rational being like, we kind of have a theory of the case and right. then we pursue the theory of the case. Whereas empirical is like, you do some stuff and through the process of empiricism, we see whether it works or not work. Yeah. So there is a fundamental rational basis for vaccine making for the past 50 to 100 years, which is the idea that your immune system does create memory from having some kind of pathogen involved. Right. right? As opposed to the mystic method. Right. Where you, whoo, you yes. blow, you blow, scab. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like a wind nation guy, like, whoo, 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 Yeah, so like, since like Pasteur, basically, right? Yeah. But, but the main thing is that even though we knew that much, the rest of the rules behind how to make the vaccine, it was pretty much the Wild West. We didn't really have a very good idea of what makes a good vaccine, why some work better than others. Right. And then we finally figured out the shit about antigens. 
And we're like, oh, 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 titty fuck. Right. Antigens was a big step forward. Adjuvants was also a really big step forward because even if you select good antigens without the right combination of adjuvants, they won't really do anything. Right. So there's actually a lot of rules involved and we don't have them all figured out yet. Okay. So subunit vaccines, we do have some of them. HPV is a subunit vaccine. The one for human papillomavirus that can basically stop cervical cancer from happening. Hep B... The whooping cough vaccine is also a subunit vaccine. So HPV, hep B, whooping cough are all things that thanks to subunit vaccines, we have vaccinated. Yeah, and subunit vaccines, there isn't even a whole pathogen in there. So it definitely cannot infect immunocompromised people, right? Okay. It's the safest for immunocompromised people. Yeah, Jenna McCarthy. <laughs> I okay. Don't, I don't think she cares about immunocompromised people. Four. <laughs> the fourth one is toxoid. Yes. So the thing about toxoid is every once in a while, the thing that causes the disease in us is not the actual like bacteria or something, okay? It's something the bacteria makes, like a toxin. Help me understand the toxoid thing a little better because I can totally understand how we could fight the virus or the bacteria itself, but it seems weird to immunize ourselves against an actual toxin. Yes, so... Some toxins, especially ones produced by like bacteria or something like that, are actually peptides or very small proteins, which means that it's actually, I'm not going to say easy, but it's possible for our body to make antibodies that will actually bind that toxin and make it so that that toxin can't work anymore because it's just physically blocked. Like lemon juice. And what? Didn't you tell me in the last episode that lemon juice is a toxin? Like (laughs) lemonase? Or something? Oh, limonene. Yeah. Limonene's a it's small a molecule that, yeah, that... that thought it was a toxin. Well, it, it's a toxin in the kind of very broad sense that, like, people be like, I gotta flush the toxins out of my body and, like... And, and so it, in the stupid sense. Yes. Oh. That's what I is, <laughs> you is, made me look like a fool! Well, no, it's just in the stupid, <laughs> super broad sense, a bunch of small molecules we eat are, quote-unquote, toxins. Right, like and get asbestos deto- or something. Well, I mean... I think think in this case we're talking about something more like botulism maybe sure or uh, for example tetanus sure Um, Mm. tetanus is actually caused by a toxin that's secreted oh that's cool Um, and you can use the structure of that toxin to basically have that be the antigen and then have your immune system trained to make antibodies against that so it's also like subunit but it's with toxin instead of antigens yeah Cool. Yes. Yeah. It's very similar to a subunit vaccine. So why don't we have a vaccine for botulism? Uh, not every thing makes vaccines as well as each other. So here's the thing. There's a lot of illnesses out there we do not have vaccines for. The way that I've sort of said things so far make it sound like we have a pretty good idea of what's going on. That is not the case. Okay. The, right. The case is that we know there are rules. We don't know what those rules are a lot of the time. There's, for example... Uh, I can think of something like 14 adjuvants. Out of those 14 adjuvants, in FDA-approved vaccines, I think we use two, maybe three of them. So that means there's a lot of them that have never moved out of laboratories, even though we think that they're useful adjuvants. 
We just haven't finished figuring out which ones are useful for which situations, how much of it. There's a lot of rules that we need to get nailed down. Right. It's, it's kind of like these four different types of vaccines we're talking about and the underlying theory. It's like the standard theory of particle physics, right? The standard model. Whereas the reality of vaccines we know is something more akin to string theory. It's like a metaphysical <laughs> truth that is beyond what we can really comprehend because it's functionally religion. I don't, I don't know but, why you like physics so much. <laughs> that's, that's, the part that boggles my mind the most is not that you're fucking around and saying nonsense. It's that for some reason it comes back to physics and Osmosis Jones every single time. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> Higgs brain tumor? Is that what it is? God Physics damn. words are good. <laughs> Higgs but, but in any case, I think, Andre, you have a really good point. And it is that vaccines, there's a lot of vaccines that we haven't figured out yet. And even the vaccines that we have figured out, some of them are not as effective as we would like them to be. Okay, but take a step back. Sean, are they dangerous? Let's take a break. And then we're going to really dive into this important subject. Sean... <laughs> Why are vaccines so dangerous? Yeah, we'll get into it. The following is an actual advertisement. Hey, this is Jeff. And I'm Chris. We've been friends. Acquaintances. No, friends. Shipmates. Dude, come on, we've been friends. Fine, sure, whatever. We've been friends for 23? No, 24. Whatever, dude, it's been a long time. <laughs> no kidding. We host a show called Round and Round. We discuss the worst, and sometimes the best, headlines we can find, watch for signs of the Cold War heating up again, and desperately try to find some good news to celebrate. Occasionally, we delve into important topics impacting the world, the nation, or those around us. And every once in a while, we take a break from the real world to talk about new movies, or to revisit and reimagine old movies we love. Find us at rnrthepodcast.com, tweet us at rnrthepodcast, and download Round and Round on Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you cast your pods. Join us every Wednesday, won't you? I wouldn't recommend it. That's fine. Guys, we're back with Petri Dish. Now, Sean, he's a scientist, but in his notes, he has his big header, vaccines are dangerous. That's I a wanna, question mark. <laughs> are vaccines dangerous? <laughs> so tell me, I mean, this is the great, important issue of the day that will only decide with blood and iron uh -huh. are vaccines dangerous so what do you mean dangerous i, I mean <laughs> what it boils down i mean to. are they gonna kill my kids <laughs> yeah. so i know that's like a little bit of a facetious thing to say but there's an acceptable amount of danger for stuff in our daily lives right? not like, mine i'm a bubble boy <laughs> like driving a car is dangerous gas stoves are dangerous People are dangerous. Cars are especially dangerous when driven by people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. As opposed to, like, cats. Yeah. Um, well, cars are really dangerous <laughs> when driven by cats. Cars are fucking homicidal maniacs when they're partnered with cats. So, in the scheme of things, vaccines, as a broad category, save way more people than they hurt by a very large margin. And What, um, like 10 to 1? Oh, boy. <laughs> like 5 to 1. I'm going to say more like 100,000 to 1. Maybe more. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't like the odds. That's in pretty far excess of a lot of other medical interventions, by the way. Like as far as things like helping versus hurting. You sure. Know, like like surgery. A lot of surgeries backfire. <laughs> right. Chemotherapy just like ass fucks most people. Yes. Well, not and, most. And but Sean, even... sometimes after I get a vaccine, my arm hurts for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. That's probably yeah. the toxins. Well, what I think is... It's probably all the preservatives you put in the vaccine. I presume somewhere I was actually going to talk about this. But one thing I will say is that... Some kinds of sick we feel, like 
feeling kind of sore or achy, right? Or like having a sore throat or something. Those symptoms, even when we're actually sick, are because of our immune system, not because of the disease. Right. Okay? Like not because of the virus or something. It's actually when our immune system is working really hard, sometimes we just physically feel sick. Right. It's an overzealous criminal justice system under people like Klobuchar or Harris who want to throw people into prison just so they can advance their political careers. Harris is long gone. You, She's still a senator. That man. is a dead horse. You She's don't still a senator. That. All right. Anyway. But Klobuchar. <laughs> Okay, tough on crime prosecutor, just like an immune system that gives you a sore throat. Right, so what I'm trying to say is that sometimes people will get a vaccine shot and then they'll feel a little sick. But that's not from a virus infecting you. That's just your immune system is activated because that's literally what the vaccine is supposed to do. And that might make you feel a little sick or it might make you feel a little sore or achy. That's just what it's supposed to do is activate your immune system. But in any case, it saves a lot of people, right? And vaccines do sometimes have side effects. These are called adverse events. And they, like, actually exist out there, okay? And there's a reporting system for them, which is actually something I got into an argument with Marianne Williamson about. Right. Because um, she did not believe me, but it, it like, literally exists. <laughs> yeah, she, she cray. Yeah, in the U.S., the system is called VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, and you can Google it. It's at VAERS.hhs.gov. You can yourself, as a citizen, directly submit an adverse event report, and it'll get logged in the system. If there's, like, a bunch of adverse events that pop up somewhere, they send someone to investigate why. Like, legitimately, vaccines are checked, like, all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of scrutiny that happens all the time to make sure that vaccines are working. It's kind of what's so galling about the anti-vax movement. Is it so clearly predicated on misinformation and bullshit? Yeah, well, it's fascinating because the, the whole reason I was arguing with Marianne Williamson is she was saying that there should be a database of the bad things that can go wrong with vaccines. And I was like, literally, that has existed. <laughs> you understand? Like, like, you can go, like, right now. Like, we're both on Twitter. You can go right now on your phone and go to this website and, like, see that this exists. So it is bullshit to say that we're not monitoring it. We are monitoring it. Adverse events are very rare. And the ones that happen usually are pretty mild. And every once in a while, some adverse events... Cause autism. No. <laughs> oh. Not autism. Twist. Autism is actually one of the ones that, like, we're very sure is not an adverse event right. from vaccines. But there are other things that can happen. And some people are legitimately allergic to things that are in vaccines. And it could be a huge problem for them. Okay? okay. So, like, it's not like no one ever has a really bad reaction to a vaccine. That is entirely possible. It's just that reaction won't be being socially withdrawn, but really good at directions randomly. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, the tricky thing about autism, right, is that, like, when you have, like, let's say you're an autistic person. That's not immediately apparent from birth, right? There's, like, an age at which your development sort of, like... You know, sh like it becomes more apparent. It becomes more apparent. And it's inconveniently right? a little bit after kids finish their vaccines. Right, exactly. Right. So it's just like, it's more or less a coincidence that vaccine schedules happen to be like right before a time in your life where if you happen to be autistic, it would become apparent to people. And yeah. then so people make this connection that is not there. Yes, that is an issue, timing-wise. One would imagine that if vaccines had anything to do with autism, then places with more vaccination would have more autism and vice versa, and that is not the case, so there is no connection. The paper that had suggested that there was a connection 
uh, was retracted. Like, widely bullshit. Like, oh, widely yeah. known to be total crap. Yeah. I mean, the most... My understanding is, is the guy who wrote that paper afterwards had his medical license Yeah, he's an asshat. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was, like, just clear fraud. He's total part. bullshit. I guess my point is, there's never been a case of someone already above that age where it would become apparent getting a vaccine and then developing autism. Right. Right? Yeah. So, like, why not just give everybody these vaccines later... Uh, and yeah. then it's not an issue. Like, sure. no one can even falsely believe this. Because well, you'd be surprised if people can falsely believe anyway. <laughs> but given that... Yeah, it's because more people would die, is the thing. Mm-hmm. Is right. that for some of these diseases, the peak infectious age is what we're trying to target. And for a lot of that, that's infants. Because babies are just licking shit. They're fucking... They're just, like, getting all over the place. Well, so part of the thing is that when babies are first born, when they're neonates, their immune system is very different. Did you say neonate? Yeah. Like me. Well. I'm a neonate. No, you're like. I'm a, not a paleonate yet. Yeah, you're like an old Nate. No, I'm not. That's lame. <laughs> I'm still Neo. I don't think so, man. I think 20s is where you start transitioning. What's middle Nate yeah. in like Latin? Mezzo. I'm mezzonate. Yeah, you're a mezzonate. I okay, so you're saying about neonates though. Yeah, so neonates. My so friends. Like really early newborns. Their immune systems are very different from what the immune systems in adults look like. And they start transitioning in childhood. And there's a period where there are some diseases that are very good at hitting those kids. And they don't really work on adults. Like AIDS. Nope. (laughs) AIDS is like 100% with babies. (laughs) Not accurate. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Man, you weren't even trying. All right. Okay, so... So that's the point, is that I agree with you, but it... It would be a bad situation if we capitulated to anti-vaxxers. No, no, no. You, make, to... you make a good point. Why change the vaccine schedules based on what is just superstition in the first place? Right, especially because like these vaccines... Like, more babies would die. Right. That's, that's right, not great. Right, right. There's actually some issues where already our current vaccination schedule, we would like for some diseases to vaccinate the kids earlier, but there's no good way to do that for neonates right now. Like, our list of neonatal-approved vaccines basically non-existent there's like nothing on that list and so in some cases what they want to try to do maybe is vaccinate pregnant mothers whoa and then have the pregnant mothers transfer some of that resistance to the babies through for example antibody mediated transference of immunity and that's uh that's also a dicey ask because pregnant moms are usually very very skeptical about taking stuff and you need to really solidly demonstrate that there's not going to be some kind of really terrible adverse event and then even after that 30 years later jenna mccarthy's going to be like well sure you caused autism in my sister because you gave her this yeah like it's not it that's i think the sad cyclical nature of human histories will inevitably destroy the progress we've made okay guys We've talked all sorts of wacky stuff about different types of vaccines and a little bit of history of vaccines and stuff, but I still don't know what kind of fluoride do we put in vaccines to even make them work on the molecular's level. (laughs) We're going to take a week-long break (laughs) 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 because we got a lot more to talk about with how they work, what's the next generation. So guys, join us next week for Vaccines Part 2. How do they work? What's the next generation? On that note then, thank you, Andre, for joining us been a pleasure yeah and uh thank you to stacy our sound lord and engineer thank you to brian allen the father who agreed to let us be vaccinated yeah all right and uh sign up for our patreon patreon.com slash petri dish tweet us too yeah at dish podcast 
And you can email us at petridishpod at gmail.com. As Andre said in a future episode on vaccines, if you sign up for our Patreon, you'll get fresh vaccines. <laughs> That's confusing. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> Hot <Get>. vaccine injection. <laughs> yeah, from the future. Okay. So, yeah, get, get vaccinated, everybody, and I'll see you next time. Ich benign. Vaccinated herd immunity. <laughs>